All right, Justin, sing me Yo. that New Year's song, but with 100% accurate lyrics. That New Year's song. Yeah. Old Lang Syne? Like, yeah, that one. The what? Which one? The, <laughs> the Old Lang Syne. The, the, the All Acquaintances Be Forgot or some shit? Yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> shoot, I don't know those lyrics. <laughs> no one does. That's the thing. No one knows those fucking lyrics. <laughs> Something like that, right? Right. You failed because you didn't give me 100% lyrics. You could have actually just said a bunch of words, and as long as you kind of went with the rhythm, I probably would have gone, I don't know, I guess who fucking knows the words? Because no one knows that. <laughs> Why didn't you just say, sing a song about being the best? Then I could have been like, you're the best. Around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the All right, Justin, sing around. me a song about being the worst. Oh my god! Because uh, that's the other like <laughs> half of this podcast. Oh, uh, what's that Eminem song about puking? You don't know. don't know how sick you make me. You make me fucking sick to my stomach every time I think of you. I puke. <laughs> there you go. All right, I guess, fuck, you got that one. So you got one out of your two assignments. Okay. All right, man, sure. Yeah. I don't know if that's real or not. You could have literally no. just said some words and said Eminem said them, and at this point, I'd be like, all right, sure. I don't yeah. fucking it is know songs. It is an Eminem song called Puke, and it was pretty. it's a pretty entertaining song. But, yeah, there's a verse from it. All there right. you go. Yeah, sure. I, you don't, you, you, you doth defend too much, bro. I already said, okay. It's like, oh, that's yeah. what makes me think that it's even more fake. Because you know I'm not going to look it up. Um, that was on the album uh, Marshall yeah, Mathers. He just starts, he like, just starts naming like more specific. Yeah. It's two point. It's it's two minutes and seventy or in, in seven seconds long. Like, dude, I don't fucking care. But I know one thing: I do care about this song. I am the king of transitions. Nice. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are going to be doing our 2019 year in review episode. We are literally the day out of 2019. I don't know if that's how you fucking should say that. That's how I said it. It's 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 January 1st, 2020. We are recording this episode. Uh, we do have a lot of input from you guys, but we are going to talk about our bests, our worsts, and uh, what movie surprised us just this year. And we're also going to talk about uh, what movies you guys liked and didn't like and all that other stuff. Because I don't think anybody said movies they were surprised by, like, at all. I know I know one person on one of the posts just named a bunch of movies that weren't even from this year. <laughs> yeah. Really? I didn't catch yeah. that one. That blew my mind. It was all 2019 year in review, and it's all Godfather, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, my. Like, Whoa. I'm like, and I'm, I'm personally wondering, did he see these movies for the first time this year? <laughs> That's why he's saying. Right. I don't know, but we're going to talk about uh, our worst, the best surprises, all that other stuff. Um, we're going to start it off with our uh, our worsts. We're gonna we're gonna change it up on you guys a little bit. Uh, we're going negative first. Uh, we're going to talk about our worsts. So uh, our assignment, if you will, is you know our three worst uh, and everything like that. So Heather, we're going to start with you. What are your three worsts for 2019? Well, this is probably the one that took the less the least amount of time to think about my least favorite ones <laughs> because they're so just very dominantly bad movies in my opinion. 
that it was just super easy for me. So we're going to first go back to last week when I watched Cats, the, the little film known as Cats, and just how very confusing and just very poorly done that whole movie was. So that is definitely going to be, um, and these are all not really in a particular order, but yeah, so just that, I mean, you guys, if you listen to our, our episode for, for cats, you'll understand everything that is wrong with that and, you know, all the problems I had with it, but it's just, it, it's abysmal, really. It's just so bad. And I kind of at least knew that it wasn't going to be great going into it because, just the whole idea of that movie did not sound like it was going to be anything great, but I didn't expect it to be as bad as it was. Just all over the place with how they tried to do this story. It, it didn't make sense. It didn't explain what anything really was. Um, the parts that were supposed to be funny fell really flat and just the songs were not catchy or anything that I really remember much about um it was all over the place it was it was a very messy movie and that is for sure why it's on my list as one of my least favorite movies of this past year um yeah and i i'm gonna be surprised if anybody says it's a favorite i i would like to have a conversation with that person to know why they think it was a great movie if there is anyone but yeah so that's definitely on mine um my next one that i'm gonna talk about is a movie that was completely um, one of those movies where it was not promoted in the way that it should have been, or it was mispromoted, I guess I should say. So going into it, I thought it was going to be a lot different than it was. And it just um, became a movie that dragged, a movie that lost its momentum uh, halfway through and did not have a good ending. And that is going to be Midsummer. That movie is just... I mean, at least the acting in it is better than in Cats. Um, I think it was, uh, there's at least some good elements to it in the sense of like it was well shot, like it was a beautiful movie, very good cinematography and all of that. But everything else about how they tried to do that movie, it was, they just tried to do too much with it and they made it way more complicated than it needed to be. And it makes you lose your interest in it sooner than you should. And um yeah it just was not well done and just how how it ends is just not at all what you're thinking is going to happen in the movie and you just kind of leave going what did i just watch so that is midsummer um i mean i'm sure that's on sterling's favorite list because i mean he talked about it for 45 minutes so it has to be right (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so that is on my list of least favorite of this past year. And my third pick is going to be Dark Phoenix because that was just boring to me. Like (laughs) they had some elements that they tried to make good and they had the action, had everything in it. There just was nothing in it that made it stand out in any sort of way. Um, Just anything they really did with it was, it, it wasn't well promoted. It wasn't, it, it was just very lacking um, for what it should have been. Like I just, especially with the powerhouse people in that movie, it really, I expected it to be way better than it was, or at least I had hoped it would be better than it was. But um, yeah, it just kind of, it lost me. It didn't grip me in any sort of way. And you're just kind of like at the end of it, sort of 
you're over it pretty much almost. And um, it makes you care less about the X-Men storyline than you should. Um, and it's apparently from what I've heard from you guys and other people, that storyline is supposed to be a really great and captivating storyline. And they didn't really pull that together very well in this. And I don't know if it was the amount of time they tried to, to do it, if they tried to, if they lingered in parts maybe more than they should have that weren't as pertinent to the story as a whole, or I don't know what it was, but they just, it didn't get pulled together very well. And the pacing wasn't great. The um, organization of the story wasn't great. So uh, it was just kind of a nothing movie, in my opinion. So for me, that is my choices and my reasons for my choices. And that's what I got. Justin, what about you? What are your three worst movies for 2019? Yeah, and um, just to say a few things about Dark Phoenix, because the uh, Cats and Dark Phoenix were both on my list, but I've got a few other, I had a few others, alternates, just in case, so I'll spend more time talking about those, but yeah, uh, as far, just wanted to say this about Dark Phoenix, though, to expound on what Heather said, like, out of all the comic book movies that came out this year, and there were quite a few, you know, we had as far as live action comic book films that came out in 2019, we had Joker, Avengers Endgame, Hellboy, Shazam, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man Far From Home and Dark Phoenix. And out of all of those, Dark Phoenix is clearly the worst of the lot. And it's by far like as much as I didn't enjoy Hellboy. It is a much better movie than Dark Phoenix. It's way more interesting. It's nowhere near as boring and bland. And you at least got the feeling that in some parts they tried to do something. Like, so <clears throat> I totally agree with you. Dark, Dark Phoenix, I mean, out of all the comic book films that came out this year, that was definitely the worst one. So I just wanted to second that on Dark Phoenix since I had it on my list. But I had two other alternates that weren't cats of Dark Phoenix. And I'll just talk about those in late. Um, Gemini Man was one of the ones that I had as an alternate on my list. And to me, Gemini Man was very disappointed, man. Like when you've got Ang Lee directing, the, the 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 same guy who's done things like Brokeback Mountain, movies that have just been these emotional powerhouse movies that have won awards and been thought provoking and things like that. And 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 this had him as director on the marquee. It also had Will Smith on the marquee. And not only that, but there was going to be a young Will Smith and an older Will Smith. So I was going to get two Will Smiths. You can't go wrong with that, right? Like Ang Lee on the marquee. Uh, um, Benedict Wong is there as a supporting character. He was cool in um, in the Marvel movies and Doctor Strange. So I like him. He's a cool person, right? So it's got to be good, right? Like it had all of these things. Um, and, and what's his name? The father. Oh, my gosh. Why, why is his name escaping me? Um, Clive our, Owen. Yeah, Clive Owen, our villain at the end. Clive Owen. I can't believe my... Uh, I drew a blank on his name. But, you know, these are all actors that I respect. And that's a director that I respect. And for and for what we got was just a was just a terrible movie, just completely illogical, just so difficult to suspend your disbelief. Bad special effects left and right. Just an uninspired storyline with a just a terrible villain. Nothing was thought out. And it was just one of the 
uh, worst movies I, I saw this year. Definitely one of the most disappointing movies that I saw this year. So I thought that that deserved a mention. And another movie that I'm going to put in here, and this is one that um, <clears throat> that I've been hearing several people clamor about, and we'll get into that later, but uh, I, I added The Lion King to my dislikes list. And I mean... <sighs> The thing about The Lion King is that that the 1994 film just holds a special place in my heart. It, it, it really does. And this movie was supposed to be, you know, with the, with the graphics and the CGI that we have and the computer abilities that we have now, this was supposed to be a realistic remake of this classic movie. And man, I, I just think that this movie just didn't live up to in any way to the 1994 classic and the changes that they made some of them mind-boggling they totally nerfed rafigi the monkey which we talked about in that episode of the podcast there were weird song choices there was hair traveling through a ball of shit that took up several minutes of screen time when other characters didn't get that screen time and just very um, and then the voice work just didn't match the the the, the enthusiastic and often well uh, crafted voice work just didn't match the CGI facials and stuff and lifelike animals that we got on the screen. And honestly, I think it made for one of the most disappointing movies I saw that year. And even though it's a box office success, and that means we're going to continue to probably get more movies like this, that makes it even scarier. So uh, I, I just had to put that on the list. I was very disappointed by that film, especially because I'm one of those people that just love the 1994 classic. So those are my two alternates I wanted to talk about. And the last one I, I had on here was Cats. And like Heather said, it was just um, awful from start to finish. It looks terrible. Songs are incoherent, didn't make any sense, and the story didn't make any sense. So, yeah, that about rounds it out for my worst of the year. Wow, you guys went nice. <laughs> I'm really surprised by that. and slightly disappointed in you guys. Um, I actually did rank mine, and I'm going to start with number three. So, number three for me was It Chapter 2. Um. I think as as great as great as chapter one was for this movie to come in and be horribly placed ridiculously too long and just nowhere near as as scary as the first one really really left a sour taste in my mouth especially with how great the acting was in it like you know when you have Bill Hader just stealing this movie and it's just an utter disappointment in the end it really, it really hurts, and it really makes me quite sad that that movie had to come out this year. Uh, number two for me on this list, uh, I'm going to copy what Justin just brought up with uh, Lion King. It's just, once again, it's, you know, as Justin said, the 1994 movie is an instant classic across the board. And then you have this movie, which seemed like it didn't understand a single bit why anybody at all liked the original Lion King and just seemed like it was a weird vehicle to just have people be these characters and to just do whatever the fuck they wanted with those characters. And in, in, in not a way that felt authentic or true to the original film it was just really, really, really disappointing. And then for my number one movie this year that I didn't like, 
I've got a six-way tie <laughs> for number six one. Six-way tie. Oh, my word. A six-way tie. I warned you guys before we start recording, I'm going to break the rules. <laughs> you guys gave like three movies and Justin gave some alternates. No, no, no. This is crafted. I've got a six-way tie for worst <laughs> film of the year. X-Men Dark Phoenix, which you guys have brought up. Cats, which you have brought up. Midsummer, which you have brought up. And Gemini Man are four of those six. <laughs> I won't delve into them too much because you guys have already brought them up. But if you really want to understand and encapsulate how I feel about any of these movies, honestly, listen to the Midsummer one. Because I think for 45 minutes, I break down how <laughs> shitty that movie is. Yep. But the ones that you guys didn't bring up that I do want to talk about a little bit more. Uh, so the fifth of these six, and they're all equally just shitty, is Rainbow Last Blood. <laughs> Which oh, shit. <laughs> is is by far one of the most racist movies I've ever seen. Just beginning to end, utter racism. And then the moments that are good in this, from just a Rambo movie point of view, all happen in like the last 15 minutes. And then what would have been probably the coolest scene in this movie, they don't show it to you. When he kills one of the brother, the cartel brothers and decapitates him and all this other shit, you don't even get to see it. Why the fuck are you making this movie if you're not even going to show that fucking scene? You have it end with him using an arrow to crucify a guy up against a barn door. And then he goes all legends or uh, he goes all Temple of Doom and fucking rips the guy's heart out. Like it's a fucking Mortal Kombat fatality tutorial video. But you're not going to show him cut some guy's head off? Fuck this movie. And then on top of that, like I said, just the overt and intentional and not even subtle racism that is 100% through every seed and bit of this movie is just atrocious. And then finally, another one you guys didn't bring up that uh, I do have to talk about is uh, the Joker. Just <laughs> fuck that movie. Ooh. Like the fact that it's called the Joker is a joke within itself. That's the joke that the writer and the director were fucking playing on everybody that this is an actual Joker movie, because it's not. It's a random B-list fucking Martin Scorsese movie that they happen to have the guy wear fucking clown makeup, and it happens to take place in Gotham, and there happens to be a Thomas Wayne, and that's it. This is not a fucking Joker movie. This is not an original movie. This isn't even a good version of a comic book movie. This isn't even a good version of a comic book story. If this movie came out in comic book form and say it was just like a six issue miniseries it'd still be fucking garbage because it's it's nothing there's one fucking character and a bunch of people in this movie they're not even fucking characters they're just random fucking people oh and then on top of that in the end it glorifies going fucking homicidal because you feel mistreated by society because yes in 2019 that is somehow a message that needs to come out to people. What the fuck is this movie doing? And it's just across the board garbage <laughs> of the highest caliber. That is an interesting six-way tie you have there. Yes, all of them. All of them. I knew I was going to surprise you guys because you know, when I was like jumping out with It Chapter 2, you're like, man, where the fuck is Sterling going with one? Honestly, I, I'm actually more surprised that that was on your worst list than The Joker because I know you didn't like that one. It, I know you didn't like, but I'm just surprised it was on your list of worst. But, you know, and, and to it's, be fair. It's not as bad as The Joker. It's right. 100% not as bad as yeah. The Joker. And to be fair, like. If you had, if I had to break it down in like the only two movies 
I had for this year were the Joker and it too. It too would be the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely is um, longer than it needs to be for sure. And yeah, I just, they, they didn't execute it as well as they should have, but overall I honestly still really liked it. Chapter two, but I understand your issues that you had with it, especially like, like you said, with the acting in it and the people that were, you know, leading that movie, you just, you expect so much more from it. But, uh, it, and it honestly is also how they promoted that movie by giving away all of the big scary scenes in the trailers. So yeah, I, I totally get why you're disappointed in that movie, but for, for whatever reason, I still just really liked it. I thought it was good, but I get it. Yeah. Fuck that movie, but all right. See, that wasn't so bad. Now we're, we're on to our bests already. And it's mainly because you guys <laughs> took up most of my list, mm. which should have been hard to do. Cause I, I listed eight of them and somehow you guys just jumped all <laughs> up in my list. I feel like that would make it easier for us to figure Cause you had so many movies that you didn't like. I know. I know. I mean, yeah. And it's in, when you guys do six, yes, of course you're going to hit eight of them. And that's why I was able to just <laughs> add on the two. Um, all right, let's go ahead and let's jump into our best then. Since we are done with that, let's go ahead and move on. Let's do our best for 2019. I'll start this one off. We'll go. We'll do our normal snaking draft or however the fuck you want to call it. Um, and, and once again, I do have mine actually ranked because I take this seriously. Oh boy. So for me, the three spot, because like I said, I do break rules. I've got another tie. Um, for me, it's a uh, uncut gems and a uh, frozen two for my three spot. Cause I think both of them are fantastic. Uh, okay. Uncut gems will be a, an, an episode you guys will get to hear later. We do have that one um, coming your way, but we did do a frozen two and everything like that. And I just think both of those are fantastic movies. The acting in, in uncut gems is just almost unparalleled in a movie. And then you have like uh, frozen two, which to me is a, a masterclass on almost how to do a fucking sequel. Cause they fucking nail it in this movie. Uh, number two on my list, the two spot. Once again, breaking some rules here. I've got a three-way tie for my number two here. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. I'm covering all my bases here because I love it and it's fantastic. Um, I'm going to start number two off with Knives Out because it's a great fucking movie. It's a it's a very classic whodunit um, and the feel of a Perot and stuff like that. Great, just a great, great fucking movie. And, I mean, just across the board, you had fantastic acting. They knew how to build tension. They knew how to give you misdirects that weren't cheap. And they had, I mean, they had the, the main detective, but the main character of the movie just being an out-of-left-field character just was so smart. And it was so easy to get entrapped in this movie because she was essentially you in the movie, and I loved that. And it was just such a relatable character that did relatable things, and it was just a very smart way of handling it and just utter fantastic. Um, also, going back early to early, early this year with Rocket Man. Uh, it wasn't that early, I think it was in you know, the spring, whatever. But uh, Rocket Man, like that's how you do a musical biopic. Fuck Bohemian Rhapsody. Rocket Man is fucking fantastic across the board. Uh, my boy Taron better fucking win an award for this shit. I don't want no Golden Globe. I'm talking about an Oscar. You better win that Oscar for best acting. I don't think he will because I actually think Adam Sandler will. But, oh. If there was ever a dark horse in that race, I want it to be him. Yeah. He was spot on 100% across the board. And on top of that, sang all the fucking songs himself on yeah. top of it. So it just seals the deal with quality acting and a quality performance. And uh, the last one of my, my two spot, also filmed from around the same time as Rocket Man, uh, 
super great kind of a uh, smaller film, but with book smart, just utterly fantastic. You've got fantastic directing by Olivia Wilde. Uh, you've got just great acting within it. You know, I don't think there was a single person in this movie that was miscast. I thought it was 100% great and just a very modern comedy that I think actually will age better than movies. It is considered akin to, i.e., like a modern super bad or something like that. Because I do think it's better than that. I think it's better than super bad, and I think its jokes and its story will actually age better than the ones in super bad. Uh, my number one spot once again is a tie. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood because it's just a fucking amazing, amazing movie. Once again, it's just utterly amazing acting. You've got Tom Hanks just embodying Mr. Rogers. Uh, you've got, what's his name? Something Reese. Matthew. Yes, Matthew Reese just anchoring that entire movie. And while, you know, we all talked about it, it was slightly weird that it, it's marketed as a, as like a Mr. Rogers biopic. And that's not what it is. But ultimately, if you just accept the movie you're given and you just sit there and you watch it, it just was one of the best movie-going experiences I had in all of 2019, hands down. And the final movie I wanted to talk about should come as no surprise to anybody. Here we go. Because it's motherfucking John Wick 3 Parabellum. <laughs> I mean, how can you be surprised by that? If you've ever listened to any episode of this podcast, how can you be surprised that I'm saying John Wick 3? I gave that fucker, I want to say 100. No, you gave it 99. The score you I gave, gave it 99. It. I gave it a 99. Fuck it. Today, I give it 100. It's graduated up a point. It's a fucking amazing movie. Beginning to end, just superb acting, superb action sequences. I mean, just somehow this movie has done three movies of just nonstop fight sequences and somehow has not made a movie that fucking feels, you know, the same as the first two. It's at its core. Yes, it's the same. But the way they do the fight sequences and things like that just makes every movie feel like fresh and original even compared to their other ones and it's utterly fantastic and it's easily for me it's easily the most rewatchable movie out of all these listed movies i listed that i mean i could just sit down and watch john wick chapter three all day every day and i would just never get tired of it because i mean there are times i've literally watched it like two or three times in a day like it'll just be on <laughs> and i'll be sitting there and i'm like oh i'll do some other stuff while i'm watching it and then i just find myself just sitting there staring at the screen because I can't keep my eyes off of it. Because it's just that fucking spectacular. If there was ever a movie that was the anti-Joker, it's John Wick 3 Parabellum. Because it is original. And it is good. And it is the movie that people should be talking about. Because if you're going to do anything, you might as well get revenge for your dead dog. Not because people, <laughs> you know, don't like you and they're mean to you. And John Wick is where it's at. Uh, Justin, what about you? What are your top three movies? Three, Justin. Just try to limit it to three, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I got to limit it to three when you did like 50 movies. Um, but Man, I but only did seven. <laughs> so, all right. So I'm going to have a little fun with this. So I just noticed, man, that um, th th this question, wh what are the best movies of a year or what are the best movies of the decade, best movies, but in this case, best movies of 2019, best is always a loaded question for me because... I don't always feel that my favorite movies of a year are necessarily the 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 best ones that I saw. 
And there are reasons for that. I think that sometimes, man, I can enjoy something for personal reasons. I can enjoy something because I've got an investment in certain actors or characters or whatever the case may be. I'm going to be a little more bias or more, I guess you could say, appreciative of that material just because I've grown up with it or nostalgia or whatever the case may be. And then sometimes I look at a movie and I know when I see something special. I know when I watch a film and I go, okay, this this shit is on another level. Like whether it be the acting, the the way the story is constructed, the way that the film is shot, what the film means and it's talking about bigger issues and it invokes bigger conversation about real issues and different things like that. There are films that even though I may not rewatch them as much, they may not necessarily be the first films that I go out and purchase or buy on my uh, my my media or what or stream or whatever the case may be. But there are times when I watch a movie and I know, okay, this is a movie that's going to win awards. And then, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a personal favorite of mine. And a person who summed this up well this year was Martin Scorsese when he was asked about the Marvel movie. So I thought that this would be fun. So I'm just going to help the audience because when I saw people's comments online about what were their favorite movies were and stuff like that, I saw a lot of comic book movies. I saw a lot of movies that I was like, huh, you really thought that was the best. And I saw a lot of movies that I was like, okay, well, a lot of this is nerd comic book shit, which I guess that's just the majority of our audience, and I'm a wrestler, I guess that's the kind of people I attract. But it made me think about Martin Scorsese's words this year when he was asked about comic book films and stuff like that. And his comment was, is that, man, you know, these, I, I, I try to enjoy these movies, but I just can't get into them like a lot of people can because I just don't consider them real cinema. You know, real cinema to me is just moot, and I'll paraphrase this, but real cinema is like where you really have that dramatic acting and the movie really has something to say. And you got these full, like, uh, characters that are well-rounded and developed. And there are these, like, you know, and they come to these realizations and they invoke real emotions and things like that inside of people. And they invoke uh, real conversations and really just make you think about the world at large and things like that. So he said, you know, those are the kinds of movies I prefer. Those, that's real cinema. So I thought it would just be fun to help uh, our listeners out. And I'm going to give you, before I get into my personal favorites of the year, I thought I would do something fun and give you a Martin Scorsese real cinema top 10. So these are not all necessarily movies I'm going to talk about as my personal favorites, but in my humble opinion, these are the 10 best movies. These are the talented 10. The, it gets no better than these 10. And if these, if not at least one of these 10 is not at least, it may not be in your top three, but if you make a top 10 list of 2019 and at least one of these films is not on your top 10, then Martin's, I'm just letting you know, man, Martin Scorsese would shake his head at you and you don't appreciate real cinema. So here's my real cinema top 10. And that top 10 is Hustlers, uh, Dolomite is my name, Lighthouse, Uncut Gems, Little Women, Ford versus Ferrari, 
Marriage Story, Knives Out, Parasite, and Martin, this is for you, The Irishman. So in no tip particular order, to me, those are like just me being objective, not putting all, not getting all into my feelings. Those are the best 10 movies I saw all year. And it gets no better than those 10. And maybe somewhere just underneath those, you got like Book Smart, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Peanut Butter Falcon. They're closely floating just underneath those 10, in my opinion. But that rounds out my real cinema top 10. So all I'm going to say is you need to check those 10 out. If you haven't seen those 10 or if you saw those 10 and they're not in your top 10, then you, sir, and you, ma'am, need to appreciate some real cinema. Now that we've had that conversation, I've helped you out. So those are the, those are the best of the best. I, I helped you out. Now I'm just going to talk about some of my personal best. These are just the ones that, to me, I felt that given what they had to do, given the feelings that they gave me, and, and some of those movies I named are going to be on this list, but these are just the movies that appealed to me the most, the ones that I thought just stood out as my uh, three best. And it's funny that Sterling had ties because I got ties all in this, man. Like, I'm still trying to sort out a top three, and I didn't quite get there, so I'm just going to talk about them. But the first uh, three-way tie that I have for position number three was Uncut Gems and Ford versus Ferrari. Now, Sterling already talked about Uncut Gems and everything, but man, this was just such a great movie. I, was, I won't say much about it, but I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Adam Sandler really does deliver what I think is one of the best performances of the year. But I do think that there might be one performance that was slightly better, and I will get to that in a minute. But uh, but but Adam Sandler, man, he just did a remarkable job in this movie. This movie is a tour de force of acting. And it's some of that real cinema shit that Martin Scorsese was talking about. Uh, the other number three in my three way tie here is Ford versus Ferrari. I think that this movie, um, even though we all didn't get a chance to all see this and do an episode on it, I did a solo on this movie. And man, this movie is fantastic from start to finish. Matt Damon and Christian Bale are just both awesome in this movie. The, 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 this is one of the best racing type of movies that I've seen in a long time. So all of the production values that come with that, the sound editing, the cinematography when they're racing through the track and how intense the camera shots get, and just this remarkable story about uh, Ford trying to compete along the raceway with Ferrari and what that really was about and the meaning behind that. And these two unlikely people that they bring in to build this car and have this uh, to, to compete and do this race. And even though this film does end a little on the sad side, it's one of those sad yet uplifting type of messages that's all about that uh, the fact that 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 true victory is in the journey that you have in life and not necessarily the destination. And I appreciated that so much. So those two movies, I couldn't pick which one I wanted over the other. So I had to put those as a two-way tie in my number three spot. In my number two spot, the first one I'll talk about is Knives Out. And I agree with what Sterling already said. Knives Out was just one of the most entertaining, most enjoyable experiences that I had at the movie theater. Uh, 
it, it really was. And it was just well acted. And there were a ton of different actors and actresses in this. And they all had to be at the top of their game in order for this film to work. And it does. Just the film almost has almost has no flaws. It, it was a great whodunit. You don't really see what's coming at the end. And when they explain everything to you and you get the whole story, it is very satisfying. And I was very entertained throughout. Uh, bravo to that movie for being one of the best of the year. And then uh, the other movie that rounded out my second place spot was Avengers Endgame. And it's funny because I know I just did my Martin Scorsese rant and then I got a comic book movie in here in my number two spot. But let me talk about Endgame, man. Like, as I was thinking, reflecting on this past year and all the movies that I enjoyed, I had to put Endgame on my list. And not only because of the comic book nerd in me, not only because of that stuff, though I do have some personal biases towards that stuff. I'm a nerd and I'm a comic nerd. Don't, don't get it twisted. but Avengers Endgame, to me, when I think about the other movies that were tasked this year to do something similar, because Avengers Endgame was a culmination of a story arc that Marvel had been doing for years. This was a culmination of 20 plus movies, and this arc was coming to an end with this film. And it had the challenge of not only balancing all these characters, but telling a story that was entertaining and meaningful, and then uh, stick in the landing when it comes to this uh, initial series of movies that we got from Marvel Studios. And, and when I think about what it was tasked to do and the fact that it ended so in a, such a satisfying way, the fact that it got all those emotional beats out of you, it was, it was sad when it needed to be. It was so thoughtful and funny when it needed to be. And there's meaningful messages in it um, about with, with certain risks that they take with certain heroes like the like the Professor Hulk character or the fat depressed Thor character and that arc that he had in this film. Like there are just a lot of different things in this where this comic book film took a lot of chances that really could have been a disaster. The time heist storyline was fun. It was fun. It was interesting. They kind of made up some of their own rules with it while taken from some of the famous movies like Back to the Future and stuff like that. And I think overall, though some was confusing and we talked about that, overall, it was fun to go back and revisit the movies and go through uh, this film. And the, the number one reason why I think it deserves to be here on my list is because I think about the rise of Skywalker, which was tasked to do a lot of the same things. It was tasked to take a culmination of years of Star Wars movies and bring it to a satisfying conclusion. And hell, the depending on who you talk to, that's not what everybody is saying about that film. That film is not generally satisfied with people and critics like it, like uh, Avengers Endgame was. Uh, the one person I talked to thinks that it was completely dumb and idiotic and hardly any of it made sense. And I will agree a lot of it doesn't. Uh, then another person you talk to might say, oh, it was a perfect way to tie up uh, all of the other movies that came before it. But honestly, I think that how messy it got 
and trying to introduce different characters, trying to uh, introduce things, but yet bring things to a resolution at the same time, but at the same time trying to retcon or fix what were perceived as mistakes from the last Jedi movie. Honestly, man, the movie just winds up being a bit of a mixed bag. It, a lot of it is a mess, even though there were parts that were satisfied. And honestly, it did. It wasn't able to accomplish what Endgame accomplished. So I think that speaks to how successful and how difficult this is to do. And Endgame was able to do that. Another thing I think about, too, that also ended this year and was a culmination after years of development was a uh, Game of Thrones. And not to speak about it too much, but that also left a very polarizing view with fans. It left uh, people thinking that maybe there was too much that happened in that final season and not enough time to really tell that story. So there were a lot of people that were down on how the Game of Thrones ended. Even some of the actors in interviews and stuff like that kind of talked a little about their disdain for how that whole thing came to the end. And I said all that to say this, this is not an easy thing to do. It is not easy to end any series of anything, whether it be TV or movies or anything like that. And when you can end something where the public and the critics see it as genuinely satisfying, you have really done something that a lot of series, a lot of series of movies, whatever you want to call it, have haven't been able to do. So with that being said, Endgame was able to do that. So I think for that alone, for that task alone and being what it was able to do, it definitely deserves to be here. So that's why I had to put it on my number two. I don't think any film was asked to do so much and delivered it in such a satisfying way like Avengers Endgame. So with that being said, I'm moving to my number one spot. And I've got a two-way tie here. The first movie I'm going to talk about is Marriage Story. This is on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. And this is also one of the movies I listed in the Scorsese Real Cinema Top 10. This movie blew me away, guys. And I didn't see it coming. It, it, it came out of nowhere to me. And it just, uh, I, I, I was interested in it because it, I knew that it starred Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. But this is an acting tour de force like tom hanks adam sandler i i love you guys but man adam driver absolutely kills it in this movie and the scenes that he gets to do here where he has an emotional breakdown and he is just this husband and has this emotional breakdown and he's getting down to the nitty-gritty of why he feels a certain way about his wife and why and and certain things finally come out that he just never had the courage to say and there's a point where he's at his wits end with this divorce process that he breaks down and i'm sorry it's some of the most effective just most moving compelling acting that i have seen all year and that's one guy that's adam driver i haven't even mentioned scarlett johansson yet who equally got the same resonance and emotions and out of me that uh that 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 adam driver did she was also phenomenal in this film and this film just um it doesn't give you a bunch of cliches it the lines of the dialogue is just perfect all of these characters feel real you've got some great supporting work by laura dern and um and uh oh my gosh god i'm just drawing blanks with names um 
damn, he's in Goodfellas. Uh, Ray Liotta. Damn, yes, thank you, Ray Liotta. Wow, I can't believe I just I don't, that, that has happened twice now. I'm just I'm just I'm just so emotional talking about this movie because it was just so damn good. But yeah, you got some impressive uh, supporting work from Laura Dern and Ray Liotta, and this movie. Pound for pound, this is one of the best films of the year. This is one of the best active movies of the year. And I'm telling you guys, you should if you watch this and don't appreciate it, man, then then you don't appreciate real cinema, man, because that's some real shit right there. And then the last movie I want to talk about is that rounds out my number one spot is is surprisingly Parasite. Now, I've got a funny story about this movie because um I actually saw this movie kind of one and a half times. Like uh, whenever we were in Chicago doing our live show, uh, Heather Sterling and I all went to see this movie and I was just so sick. And I guess uh, my uh, my dietary choices and the sudden shock that my body had from all the uh, terrible foods that Sterling had me eat. Remember, he's a four bagels every morning guy. <laughs> But uh, I couldn't handle the Sterling diet. So I guess uh, my body just started feeling it that night. And I couldn't finish this movie. I couldn't focus on it. It's a Korean film, so it's subtitled. And you have to read and comprehend and look and understand what's happening. And I, I mean, and I just could not focus on this film. I left several times. I was heaving and throwing up and every, and every kind of thing. And I'm not proud of that, but it happened. And so I really didn't get to see this movie, but this movie snuck its way in. It was kind of in and out in Odessa. And I got a chance to jump on this and watch this film. And much like Marriage Story, when I got to really see this film and process it and talk to other people about it and everything like that, this film just absolutely blew me away. It is, to me, a masterclass of filmmaking. Every visual in the movie all damn near almost means something. Every visual, the what the actors represent, everybody is used in this elegant story to kind of represent the class system that we have in this society and the difference between the haves and the have-nots and the different uh, and how our perspectives can differ and how we treat each other or don't treat each other because we lack perspective when it comes to different classes and how we treat each other and go about trying to get ours in such a capitalistic world. And this is just brilliantly, this is just a brilliantly crafted film that covers all of this and every character has something to do with that story. Everything that you see in this elaborate scheme of this family um, swindling this ri this the, these rich people into working jobs for them. And I mean, every member of this poor family gets a job under this family. And not to say too much about the plot, but all of it comes together. There are some surprises. And when it changes and it gets, a and at first it's kind of played as a satire, and it's a comedy and it's great and it's funny. And there were a lot of just great scenes in it. And the dialogue is great. And then the movie takes a serious turn and it surprised me in ways that I just didn't expect. It, it winds up um, going from that satire type of message 
to something very serious and something very poignant at the end. And this is a movie that I've been talking about with people for the last four days. And the more people I talk to, the more things we learn about it and what uh, the director was trying to say. And the more we unravel different things about uh, this film and what it was saying about the class system that we live in. And it was just so smartly done. It was just so well paced and it delivered in the surprises. And I am not ashamed to say that this is probably the the best film of the year. I expect it to win a ton of awards. And from what I hear, it already has already. Those movies, th those awards are well-deserved. So um, bravo to Bong Joon-ho, who directed this film and all of the actors involved. They all did a great job. I mean, this was easily and this movie's on another level this is something that'll be talked about for years in my opinion this will uh be one of those that we'll come back to and go man look at all the messages in here and look at how it still relates to how we treat each other and what our class system is like today so uh i just have to give it to that and i couldn't decide which one i liked more that or marriage story so parasite and marriage story round out my number one for my personal best movies of this year. Well, that's a lot to unpack there because you named 97.3 <laughs> movies. Um, but I do want to actually comment on your Martin Scorsese comment, but I want to let Heather go first because I feel like it's been 27 hours since we've heard from her because of how long uh, we've gone now. Um, so, so Heather, what are your three best? I, are we even on bests anymore? I don't fucking know where we're at. Yes, anymore. we are. Best, yes. All right. So, <laughs> what are your best movies for 2019? It is interesting to just hear the different perspectives and just even just with the three of us and how how varied our lists are of what our favorites or best in our opinions were. Um, yeah, I mean, those are all really interesting ones. And obviously, I mean, there's going to be a lot that like, I'm not going to say anything new because I think some of these movies is just like everyone agrees at how great they were. But, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of give into a little bit of what you guys did and I, I will do a tie on a couple of mine. Um, for me, my third place movie for best that I enjoyed of this year it's going to be Us, the movie Us that came out earlier this year. I thought it was great. I thought it was smart. I thought it was different. Um, I mean, Jordan Peele, I think, is just a phenomenal storyteller and director. And, um, you know, and I also was a huge fan of Get Out. So I, I went in expecting that movie to be really good. But just how they told that story and just some of the the shots that they do and just the really smart choices they make and how they do the cinematography. And like, I'm never really going to forget the beautiful scene that they do of like the ballet dancing mixed with the fighting that they do at the end of that with the five on it song in the orchestra orchestral style like it was just probably one of the most memorable things i've seen in a really long time and it's just a very beautifully shot movie and smart and it makes you think but it's also creepy and scary and i think everything that he tried to do in that movie came across the way he he wanted it to um the acting is phenomenal um winston duke just kind of shines so much in that movie i think it's kind of one of his I think it is his breakout role, even more than Black Panther. I think it's his breakout role. Um, that movie was just really great. I really enjoyed that movie. So for me, that's going to be my third 
favorite or best movie of 2019. Second place, I am also going to have a tie. Um, the first one I'm going to say is um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, just like we said before, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful movie. Everything about it was it, it was just phenomenal how they did it. The acting, Matthew Reese just really blew me away uh, to the point where I'm talking about him almost as much as Tom Hanks. And I love Tom Hanks. So that's how good he was in this movie, guys. <laughs> like, he's just so, so good. And the, the dynamics and just how Tom Hanks encompasses who encapsulates really who um, Mr. Rogers was. It's so well done. And it's heartwarming. It, it makes you think and reflect and really just gets deep in your soul. <laughs> like, it's such a good movie. And it's it's done in such a different way. Like, you... And maybe because of also how they marketed it, where you think it's going to be about Mr. Rogers. And it's really not. It's just a story in the life of somebody else who was so impacted by him. And I just, I think it was brilliant how they did it. I think um, just everything about it, everybody really was top notch. The story was well-rounded. It had a beginning, middle and end that you were clearly knowing what was going on with it. Um, You leave satisfied with that movie for sure. And um, it's just really, it's a profound movie in a lot of ways. It has a lot of layers to it, and I love that about it. So that is definitely going to be one of my picks. Um, my tie for that one, which people may or may not agree, but um, yeah, Avengers Endgame, loved it. I think it was really um, a great, great way. It's It's basically the end of an era with that movie, and the way that it just finishes off the past 10 years of films prior to it, I think it wrapped it up. In my opinion, I think it was almost perfectly wrapped up in how they did it. Um, Everybody brought their A game with their acting in this particular movie, even more than the ones before it. Um, I think that the story was told, well, yes, it was long, but for a reason, um, it didn't feel nearly as long as it actually was. Um, You know, just doing callbacks, but doing new things and just... I've never really, like, at least this year, just the satisfaction you get at the end of that movie when all of the Avengers are back and they're together and they're fighting and they're joining forces and just all of the moments where you just, like, want to really cheer out loud and, like, all of those really great moments of what you've been waiting for and hoping for for 10 years of these Marvel movies, um, which is, I think it was a total of, what, 20 movies or 21 movies that they did? But either way, it's just... I think how they told the story, it was just every form of entertainment that I can think of. It was funny. It was sad. It was action. It had um, an intriguing story. You know, it was, I was captivated and I was paying attention the whole time. And I just, it was a really enjoyable experience for me to watch that movie. So that definitely is on my list for um, number two favorite. Favorite movie, number one spot for me, Knives Out hands down. Like for me, there was no question about it. I think Knives Out was a genius film. So well done. Beautiful. um, Great top-notch acting again. Awesome story. Uh, You feel like everything they did was very intentional and on purpose, but you don't even realize the little hints that they give you throughout the movie until the end or until you're thinking about it afterwards. And that's how those movies should be. Um, I think it was funny. It was smart. It just... Um, it had an actual story. It wasn't doing things just to do them. 
and just everything about how smart this movie was really impressed me. And um, yeah, I mean, it just everybody's range of acting performances in this film was so great. And I do love how they wrapped up the story and they made it kind of traditional, classy, old school, you know, whodunit, but they put modern twists to it. And just, it was so, so good. Like, it was just absolutely the most entertaining movie that I've seen all year. So that is absolutely my number one choice for best and favorite movie of 2019. See, that was well said. I try. You you kept it more concise than me, Cassie, you're both <laughs> assholes. Um, no, I do want to comment before we go into our surprises for this year. I do want to comment on Martin Scorsese's uh, quote about Marvel movies and stuff like that. Um, I feel like Martin Scorsese could have said that seven years ago, eight years ago. I don't feel like you get to make that comment, though, and follow it up with the Irishman, because that's a chore to get through. <laughs> I also don't think you get to say that uh, at this point because it's pretentious as fuck. And I hated everything about what he said. Because to me, when he's like, oh, it's not real cinema, you know, because you don't get the depth here and there and all this other stuff, which, okay, you guys, like, he says that, but then, like, and then everybody then brings up Endgame. I know I wasn't a huge fan of Endgame, but, I mean, you guys even brought it up talking about how emotional and everything the end of an era and stuff like that was. So then, how is that not quote-unquote real cinema whenever it causes genuine emotion to be felt by the audience right like and then uh, and on top of that it's just and then he produces the joker don't sit there and say all that bullshit about what's real cinema and what's not then you produce the joker you put your name on that shit you were a part <laughs> of that fucking garbage fire of a goddamn movie coming out that was completely unoriginal devoid of actual emotion and just completely misguided from beginning to end and you want to sit there and talk about what real cinema is i'm sorry martin fuck off <laughs> that was great yeah and um and and of course is martin right uh i've as far as my opinion on it um is he right about some of that Yes. Is he right about all of it? Of course not. Which is why I thought that this was fun to do, because I mean, of and of course he has in later interviews and stuff like that, especially after there was a backlash, he recanted some of his statements and he was like, OK, look, I know that talented people work on those projects and yada, yada, yada. He's since then cleaned up his speech and everything like that so to be fair to him that you know I, I i did want to put that out there but i thought that this would be so fun to do because i mean is he right about some of those things yes i mean comic book movies and stuff like that like he called yes them, because he made the he joker called them theme park movies <laughs> and so the thing is, is that you got to understand is, yes, do they have do those movies kind of have a familiar formula? Yes, they do. do. Do some of those movies sometimes fail to have stakes and different things like that? Yes, they do. Do those movies sometimes kind of come out and seem like a dime a dozen? And some of them are great and have everything that we talked about, like Endgame, and they're great. And then there are a lot of them that just aren't that. So I get where he's coming from. I get where he's coming from. And I get what he 
was trying to say. And so that's why I thought it would be fun to just kind of take what he said and say, okay, so here's a real cinema top 10. Like if these are the, you know, these are the pound for pound uh, best of the best. This is that real cinema that Scorsese was talking about. So I challenged myself to kind of see his point of view and just put it out there. Okay, I'm going to take what he said and then apply it to the films that I saw this year and make a top 10 for him. And I yeah. just thought that would kind of be fun to recommend some of those because I do think there is a conversation to be had about uh, what movies are more meaningful, what movies have to say. And there are movies that are much more serious, talk about much more real things that really affect people and different things like that. And the comic book movies always measure up to those uh, I get what he's trying to say in some regards. Could he have said it a better way? Yes. Did he have to be a dick about it and talk about nerds and comic book people? Of course not. So <laughs> I just thought it. So I just thought it would be funny to just uh, do that tonight because we're on a best. So I thought that I would just kind of put a funny little spin on it. And also another funny story about Martin Scorsese: his daughter trolled him on Christmas and wrapped all of his gifts in uh marvel superhero wrapping paper and she <laughs> uh, posted that on yeah she posted that on instagram so you know it's all a good fun man everybody has their opinions but yeah eh, you know he's right and wrong in my opinion and if i could just interject really quick too i for me i feel like i i i see what he was trying to say with it but also especially with movies entertainment and like real cinema it's very like eye of the beholder situation like it depends on the person because martin's oh, yeah. he is not the end all be all to this is what is a good movie and not because and it just kind of reminds me of um a quote actually from stan lee who um you know i mean and he was he was a big part of all of the marvel movies that were made and um he said a quote um talking about just in general when he started making the marvel comics and everything and he said that entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. And I do feel like that is very true of movies in general. Like that's the point of what movies are. And so I just think it was a very pretentious thing as well. I understand, you know, his style is different. He has, I, I understand like for for people who make movies, it might be a different thing where it's like, no, it's art. And it, yeah, it is. It is art. But what do you want your movie to do? You want it to entertain people, right? And why is any form of entertainment a bad thing? So if people like a movie that maybe he thinks isn't real cinema, people are impacted by it, especially like Sterling, you were saying, you know, we're talking about Endgame a lot. That is like a prime example of it because it's like, you got a lot of different things out of that movie. A lot of people really like that was their, you know, for the 10 years growing up almost like if they were kids when they watched it and now they're teenagers or started when they were 10 and now they're 20 years old, these movies that have been a part of their lives, you know, and like certain like characters that you look up to and stuff. And I think it's just as important. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying Avengers Endgame is a prime example. Well, just because we were talking about it in the moment, yes. Well, I'm just talking about personally. It's not that good of a movie. Calm down. But, I mean, I think I think if you're really going to use an example, I should, I really think you should use uh, one of Justin's favorites, uh, the Academy Award-winning Moon Knight. <laughs> I did that just because I wanted to say that. <laughs> nice. 
all that was a setup for that. Even though I, I even though I do that every episode, I can I couldn't deny myself that joy right Too now. Too good of an opportunity. Um, I think honestly, I wouldn't have cared about Martin Scorsese saying that this year if he hadn't produced the Joker and then gave us the Irishman. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, dude, how fucking out of touch are you with fucking anything at this point? It's just. You can't say that about comic book movies and then give us the most prime and basic example of everything he's saying is wrong with comic book movies in the Joker because it's it's not original. It's the most formulaic. I, I know I can't say that word. I don't know why I choose sentences that have that word in it, but I, I do it because it follows a formula. There, happy. All right, so it follows a formula more than anything because it rips off every Martin Scorsese movie ever made. So it follows a formula. It's devoid of any fucking stakes because it's the Joker. So you know essentially what quote unquote what's going to happen in it before it really happens because you know the end game of it, if you will. Also, they do, they also took any of the stakes out of it because is anything in his head or is it real or any of that bullshit? So they took all the stakes out of the movie built like within its own story. It inherently took the stakes out of itself. And then on top of that, like what's its fucking emotional message? If people are shitty, kill them. What the fuck are you doing? Martin Scorsese. Cause then the Irishman was boring. I know Justin liked it and Justin's got a solo slayers with it in a little bit. I, I, I didn't give a fuck enough about that movie to even want to do an episode with Justin. <laughs> uh, Justin and I will be, at least Justin and I, Heather might join us on it, we'll be at least doing an episode on Parasite uh, coming up soon. Yeah. Um, because as Justin said, we all did see it. Notice how it was not in any of my lists of good or anything like that. And it's, you'll find out why. Stay tuned, Cinefans. Um, it's just... I, th- I thought that this was just oddly the weirdest year ever for Martin Scorsese to say that, considering what he was involved in this year. Mind-boggling. And on top of that, if he hadn't attacked comic book movies and stuff like that, maybe he could have gotten, you know, paid Disney to fucking do the de-aging special effects for the Irishman, and they wouldn't have been so fucking weird. <laughs> because Disney's got that shit on lock. You tell Disney to de-age somebody at this point, they got it down. They can fucking do it and not even think about it. Not whoever did it for the fucking Irishman. That's for damn sure. But that's neither here nor there. Um. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm getting. I'm getting all fiery. Uh. Let's do our surprise movies for 2019. I don't. Uh. uh could be good or bad. Could be both. Could be what I don't know. Do whatever the fuck you want. You know. You do you. We'll start with Heather. What about you? What's your surprise for 2019? Yeah, I actually had um three different ones for me that I would consider a surprise, but they are all good surprise i was surprised in a good way about all of these so my number yeah you're too happy of a person for you to do bad surprises (laughs) no not really just the bad surprises weren't as surprising as the good surprises but um but yeah i get what you mean (laughs) um so for my number three um most surprising movie that i enjoyed this year this past year was book smart I I figured it would be fine, like, okay, and maybe because of uh, the movies that it was being compared to or just kind of how they marketed it or whatever it was, I was just like, oh, it'll probably be fine. It'll be funny enough for me to want to go see it. But when I saw it and I was like, this is really funny. This is probably one of the best comedies I've seen in a very long time. That is what surprised me about it. 
And I do agree with what you had said earlier, Sterling, about this movie, that I think the storyline and everything about it is going to it's going to um, outlast a lot of other comedies that try to do that type of thing. Like the storyline is better. It's more captivating. It's done in a better way. And so it, it surpasses a lot of other movies in that same genre. And it just, it was surprising. It was a very pleasant surprise at how funny it was, but how relevant it was. I mean, it's, you know, like just so relatable to a lot of people, I feel like, um, in different ways. So that was a, a very pleasant surprise for me was that one. And, um, Another, my number two spot for surprising was Hustlers, actually. I was going to see it either way because I was like, sure, J-Lo, I'm in, you know, um, seeing Lizzo in a movie. I'm in, like, I was just like, it'll be fine. Sure. Uh, Lily Reinhardt, even. I'm like, I'm a fan of all of them. And I knew I personally would probably be fine with the movie, but I think I'm more just surprised at how very critically acclaimed the movie is and how much everybody else, even critics, enjoyed this movie. And it's also a pleasant surprise because it just it had a lot more depth to it, I guess, than I expected, um, even though it was based on a true story and everything. I, maybe just because of the previews I saw or how it was marketed, it just it didn't really talk too much about the depth of the story that it was going to get into with it. And everybody's performances were just very, very good. So that was a pleasant surprise. More so just surprised at how much everybody collectively as a whole enjoyed it as opposed to just me enjoying it. So that was surprising. And then my number one most surprising movie of this past year is Ready or Not. That movie is so surprisingly and sneaky good. Like... You think it's going to be just kind of a little bit more of a different take on a horror movie and things that you've seen before, but you have not seen anything like this movie before. Um, how it's filmed, how it progresses, the entire story of what's going on. It's unique, it's different, and it's so good. Like, it's it's almost a dark comedy, but not quite. And it, But it's a horror, and it's it's just so good. Like, there's so many things that you can find in this movie that are enjoyable, and even the performances, I mean, um, Samara Weaving, who plays the, the main character, the bride in it, is fantastic. She, she really, she just does every emotion. She, she goes through all of the emotions in just one film. And Adam Brody and just everybody's really, those two specifically, but everybody in it is so great. And just the whole story, it takes you on such a ride. But it's a fun ride and it's good. And at the end of it, you're like, what in the world did I just watch? But in a good way, you're like, wow, they took that places I didn't see coming. The ending you don't necessarily expect. And it just was a lot of fun to watch. And I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad you brought up that movie because if I wanted to cheat more, I probably could have put it on my best list. It's sneaky good. I really. It was so hard not to. It was it was just yeah, like you said, it was just one of the most fantastic and fun rides I've had in a movie. And it wasn't just a ride. Like you said, it had amazing performances in it. It was captivating. It was thrilling. It was just, yes, I'm I'm really glad you did bring up that movie. Um, Jastin, what about you? What are your surprises for 2019? So there were two that I wanted to talk about. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about, honestly, is Toy Story 4. 
And I know some of you may be thinking, well, come on, man, it's Pixar and stuff like that. Like uh, Toy Story is it had three that were good. So did you think this one was going to be bad? But honestly, man, for how good that movie is and what it was about and the story that it had, given that we already thought that we saw the perfect ending of Toy Story after three. I don't think Toy Story 4 had any right to be as good as it was and to be as resonant as it was. And to just, it was just really a great story. And I didn't think that this series of movies had another great story in it. Um, the, the new, it, it, but it is a really, it, it is one of these movies where it is just a how to book on how a successful sequel is made. The, the new characters that it introduces are good. The story was familiar with some familiar beats, but had a bunch of different fresh things to make it um, to, to make it feel fresh enough to where we followed the story. The the antagonist or the villain in this is a great rounded character that has some ups and downs and actually becomes someone that you understand and root for. And the, the journey that it gives Woody ends ends a satisfying journey for him and it, it's got the maturity that it needed to have at the end seeing Bo Peep again and her and how she's grown was actually great and it was a fun ride throughout and visually I, I just still think that out of all of the animated movies that came out this year this was the most impressive looking one I mean there are just scenes that are just breathtaking the rain scene at the beginning uh, the cat and every uh, inch of fur and details that you could see on the cat or even like the, the the furry characters and stuff like that and i just really enjoyed this film i think it's a shoe-in for best animated movie this year i don't think any of the other movies come close so and, and i will say that that was a surprise i expected how to train your dragon or some of these other animated movies to be better and given that this was the fourth one and they just weren't so toy story 4 was a pleasant surprise for me i thought this was going to be downhill for the series but actually now it opens it up for more sequels and they could actually do some fun new stories so th th that is a film that definitely surprised me as far as its quality and another film that surprised me as far as uh what it was what it wound up being was peanut butter falcon I expected absolutely nothing from this movie. I didn't know what it was. The The title, The Peanut Butter Falcon, sounds super weird. And like, I mean, what do you even think about when you hear Peanut Butter Falcon, like a bird that got covered in peanut butter? You know, it's just such a weird title. But man, if this isn't one of the best, most feel-good movies of the year, I don't know what is. Shia LaBeouf was great in this, and this really is a, in my opinion, a return to form for him. He was just so compelling and so likable as this kind of outlaw who had had this tragedy happen in his life, and he was on the run and different things like that, just couldn't get it together. And it's a one of those odd couple type of movies. So he runs into Zach, who is played by the actor whose also name is uh, Zach Gutsagan. And this is a Down syndrome patient who escapes from the hospital and he's got this dream to be a pro wrestler or whatever. And he's trying to go on this journey, run away from this place and go on this journey to get trained as a wrestler. And they run into each other just by chance 
chance and strike up an odd couple friendship. And it is just one of the the best movies that I saw all year. And it came out of nowhere to me. It's really awesome. It's 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 really great. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. And I know a lot of people missed it. It didn't have much of a release over here. So this is one of those where whenever it's made available to media, I highly recommend it. You won't be sorry. It has some of the most genuine moments and just one of the better feel-good movies that I saw this year. So that will round out my uh, two surprises for this year. Um, for me, this is a very interesting topic. I'm going to start, I, I do have a movie, I don't want to say I was surprised by it being bad, but I kind of was. And that'd be Charlie's Angels. I was so fucking hyped for that movie. So fucking hyped. And I liked it. I did like that movie. And I do think it's great. But it's still a bad movie. It's still not good. I still had a ton of fun with it and the message with it and everything like that. I did love that, but let's be real. It's not a good movie in the end. It's not. And I, I feel like my surprises, though, I feel like I, I, I talked about both of these uh, when we did our mid-year review. And I feel kind of bad that I'm bringing them up again, but I, I feel like they're warranted still. Um, with my surprises that are, are good, if you will, um, one of them is going to be Aladdin. Because I'll be damned if I did not have fun with that movie. And I thought Will Smith was fantastic in it. And just in in the most amazing way. I, I feel like him, you know, taking over that iconic role uh, from uh, Robin Williams. I don't know why I fucking forgot his name. Um, was just, and he made it his own. And he, and they, in generally, they grounded it and just made it something I, I felt was genuinely special. And, and, and Naomi Scott which I feel bad because she's also in the, you know, the surprisingly bad movie one. But Naomi Scott as Jasmine was just utterly fantastic. And having also liked her as the Pink Ranger in Power Rangers, I feel, you know, and I still love her in Charlie's Angels. It's just one of those things that, for me, like she really is just one of those people that I'm seriously still just utterly stoked for anything she's going to have come out. And a lot of it has to do with Jasmine. She was just utterly fantastic. Some of the songs they added in this uh, were Jasmine songs. And unlike in The Lion King, where they added songs that felt weird, uh, when they did that with this, I it fit so fucking well that I didn't care that they weren't in the original. And I just was really, I really enjoyed this movie. And I did not think it would because I don't like Aladdin. And then the other one, as I, I know me and Jastin talked about it on the mid-year, and we've done a podcast episode on it, was Crawl. I still can't shake that movie uh, with how good that was, especially being what it is. It's a fucking alligators attacking people in a hurricane in Florida. It should not have been as good as it was. It had no business being a fucking good movie, and it was just 100%. It, it didn't fall into a lot of the tropes that movies like that fall into. It had one of my favorite alligator attacking a person scenes, which I know that sounds like a very narrow type of thing to have a favorite scene of that in, but I do. And it's one of them's in this. It's whenever the dad gets his arm bitten off, I thought it was just utterly fantastic and real with how they did it. It And, you know, and, and like I said, a lot of the tropes they have, I mean, you know, no human being has the right to outswim an alligator ever. But at least in this movie, she was a collegiate swimmer. So it made sense. And that's it, it was that small attention to detail to things like that that I really appreciated about this movie. 
And as one of my things that I, I, I probably bring up, I think more than both Justin and Heather is length of movies. And this movie is a just brisk hour and a half. And that's so fucking smart for what it is because it never gives you the chance to doubt it while you're watching it. And because it's just expertly paced and it's so quick and it just, it goes by and it's done and it doesn't give you time. Like if it had gone 15 more minutes, it probably would have been one of the worst things to ever like to happen. It probably would have been, you know, number seven in my tie for first because it would have overstayed its welcome, but it was so smart and just so well-crafted that I'm bringing that movie up again. And I just, and I really do suggest anybody and everybody needs to watch that movie. It really is just utterly fantastic, especially for what it is as a small little like niche film about alligators attacking people in a hurricane in Florida. It's hands down one of the best ones you'll ever see. And just in general, like building tension and, and keeping it and ebbing and flowing within it is just so fucking well done that I will just continue to sing that movie's praises as much as I possibly can. All right. Um, anything else, guys, before we move into to, to some of the Cinefan uh, stuff with this? I don't think so. I'm good. Well, all right, then. Um, since I know, Justin, your sharing of the post got the most, uh, you know, comments and stuff like that uh we'll start with you on this then like what is what were some of the ones that stood out to you with uh what 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 people said about their best and worst and stuff like that um the guy that said that american sniper and no, i'm kidding <laughs> there was somebody who listened to a bunch of movies that were for 2019 and i thought that was kind of funny but uh but no um honestly i'll talk of just about the two the one best and one worst that stood out to me well i saw adventures endgame just about i would say almost 80 to 90 percent of everyone that chimed in on their three best adventures endgame was in there so that's all you need to hear about that movie, like to understand what it meant to people to come all that way to 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 end in such a satisfying way. I mean, it was just I just got tired of seeing Avengers Endgame. It was on so many people's best list. So and then uh, you put it in yours. So, yeah. And then I put it in mine. So that's the thing. Like you th that should say what that movie meant to this year and what it stood for and what it was about and the fact that it really appealed to people. So, yeah, sounds like a little bit of real cinema to me. But uh, but, yeah, I was happy to see that so many people agreed that Avengers was one of their most favorite movies of the year. Another movie that I saw a lot and was happy to see on a lot of people's worst list was uh, The Lion King. It, w it was actually nice to know that so many people felt the way that we did, that it was one of the more disappointing movies. They didn't like kind of how uh, the, the, the CGI meshed with the voice acting and everything like that. So it was very nice to uh, see that a lot of people felt the same way about The Lion King. So I, I thought that that, so who knows? I mean, maybe if there is a general consensus on that, maybe we'll see a better quality remake uh, next time, but I won't hold my breath on that from Disney, but we'll see. Uh, uh, other than that, those are probably the two biggest things that I stood out. There were some movies here that I never got to see, like, some people mentioned the curse of Leorna. I never saw that. I don't know if any La of you. La Llorona. La Llorona, Leorna, La Llorona, La Llorona. 
Um, I never got to see that, but it made a couple of people's list as the worst. So maybe it was a good thing we didn't see that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, it is. Okay, and then um, yeah, yeah, yeah it is. I saw that. Oh, you saw it? <laughs> okay. Well, then that's yeah. It, it, it's one of those movies that I think, as I mentioned before, like with the Irishman, like I I did not like it, but it didn't invoke anything enough into me to where I wanted to say anything about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Exactly. No, it, it wasn't even worth mentioning. Dang. Okay. Well, then that that probably explains that. But no. I, I... Which is sad because Linda Cardellini is the main character in it, and I like her a lot. But this movie in general was like just a no go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll put it. I'll put it real quick for you, Justin. Linda Cardellini was also in Avengers Endgame because she's Hawkeye's wife that gets dusted. Her five seconds of getting dusted in Avengers Endgame is infinitely more interesting than the entirety of The Curse of La Llorona. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> okay, well then that is all I need to know about uh, that movie. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and just, I guess the last thing I would say about just looking at everybody's list, I just saw a lot of kind of the, 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 the same kind of movies, kind of your comic book or action adventure uh, type of movies. So some of y'all really do need to check out my real cinema list. I mean, y'all, 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 y'all need to broaden y'all some of y'all's horizons. But overall, uh, it was a, it was cool, and those are probably the biggest standout things to me. What about you, Heather? Were there any surprises by cinefans? Cine, what the fuck am I saying? Cinefans, <laughs> or or there anything that you just agreed with or liked that it was mentioned in some sort of way? I mean, I actually was, um, I, I did find it interesting because one movie we didn't really talk about on this list, but I did see it um, surprisingly often in the list was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. A lot of people said that was one of their favorites this year. Um, I don't think it was a bad one. I mean, I wouldn't have put it necessarily in my top three, obviously, but it, it wasn't a bad choice. And I do see the appeal and why people did like it. So um, I, I just think it was a good a good nod to make just because it, it was a good movie. And I think it is worth mentioning in some form because it was a unique movie. And even for Tarantino, it was kind of a little, um, you know, segue off of what he kind of normally does in a way. Um, like, I mean, it still had his Tarantino normal things that he did, but it just it just felt like it had a very different feel of a movie to me for what he normally does. So um but I, I, I thought it was an interesting movie, so I, I did notice that some uh, there were a couple of different people who picked that as one of their favorites. Endgame is for sure getting a lot of love for for favorites. Um, yeah, Lion King and Cats seemed to be the ones that people were saying was worst. And um, a couple of people that mentioned on, on mine when I had posted it was that movie The Dead Don't Die, which is Bill Murray and Adam Driver that movie that came out was apparently a big disappointment. I never got around to seeing it, but that is surprising to me because I would think that movie would be good. So, um, yeah, I just noticed a, a few people mentioned that as like a, a big disappointment of a movie or one of the worst movies or one of those two. And, um, yeah, so that was just an interesting choice as well. But, um, it, it's just funny because I feel like it's so many of them are all over the place too. Like, there was um, some people will pick like two ones that I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. And then they'll pick a movie that was just 
completely not like the other two they had picked. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can't think of which one it was right now, but I was just like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a very different choice than your other two. And then, yeah, just some of the lists are very interesting because for me, I'm like, I think if you're going to pick these two, you're going to pick this one too. And you don't. So it's just, it was just um, a little eye opening, I guess, because some of the ones I think people are going to be like, yeah, everyone loves that. They don't. Um, and a lot of people also I did see picked Knives Out as one of theirs, which I'm also glad I obviously agree because that was my favorite this year. So um, just a lot of diversity in it, which I appreciate because, I mean, some people mentioned movies I had never seen or even very obscure independent ones that I hadn't really even heard of um, were mentioned. So I just I appreciated the diversity of the list that we received. Um, from people from you guys so yeah but I just was I was glad to see that once upon a time in Hollywood was acknowledged because I think it is worth acknowledging I don't I don't think foot fetish porn is worth mentioning so oh boy I wouldn't bring it up personally um to to actually give the list of what Justin was talking about because I found it utterly fascinating was there was somebody who did mention two movies not made in 2019 but it goes Inception which is a fantastic movie. American Sniper, which that's not my cup of tea, but I understand why people liked it. <laughs> I like Academy Award winning and nominated films, just the, you know, top tier type of stuff. And then The Joker. He followed all that up and then said The Joker. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, to me, that was what was the most mind boggling about it all was how much The Joker was mentioned in the bests. I just, I don't understand it at all. I feel like all these people literally watched a different movie than I did like completely that we did not watch the same film at all that like the film I saw was the weird sterling cut of the film that Todd Phillips made just to piss me the fuck off <laughs> and no one else saw it because I don't understand at all how like why anybody's saying it and and I bring that up because I just wanted to mention somebody else because somebody actually broke down their list and gave reasons. And I do appreciate that. But they said it broke all the rules of what a movie based on superhero property could be and made a Scorsese reminiscent journey of this descent into madness. And it worked. What? I That's where I really feel like I did not watch the same movie because what rules did it break at all? Like it wasn't original. And that's what... Like, that's the other thing is, like, oh, reminiscent of a Martin Scorsese journey. Yeah, because it ripped them off. It's not reminiscent. It's it's not even an homage to. It's a fucking parody of them. Like, mind-boggling. Uh, I do want to comment, too, that somebody, and I also won't mention, because I'm not, I'm not going to mention names on some of the stuff, but somebody actually said Dark Phoenix was one of their favorites this year. And I want to know what the fuck kind of drugs that guy is doing. <laughs> yes. Because... I am not a drug user in any way, shape, or form. I'm a mind-numbingly, like, huge alcoholic, and I smoke cigarettes all the time. But if I'm going to do drugs, I want to know what the fuck that guy was doing. Because whatever fucking drugs he was on that made X-Men Dark Phoenix even a watchable movie, not even one of the best, just watchable, I want some of that shit, like, right now. Like, we've talked about it before that I am a huge completist when it comes to movies like so much so that i i end up owning movies i don't like just because i own all the rest of them so i feel like i need to own you know even the ones i don't like i still haven't bought dark phoenix yet because until that price drops down to like five dollars i'm not gonna fucking spend a fucking dime on it to fucking get it 
but it was things like that. Like it just mind boggling to me. Like somebody put John Wick three and Joker on the same list. As I've previously established, John Wick three is the anti Joker. I don't understand how they end up on the same list because I've never seen two movies that were diametrically opposed as much as those two. Um, I know a lot of people are shitting on, on my Aladdin. I saw that too. There was one guy and we talked about this a little bit beforehand and his list was really funny because he named six movies and they were all essentially Disney slash Marvel movies because he does have uh Spider-Man on his best list. And I know it's a Sony movie, but still akin to Marvel. So it was just really funny that he had all comic book movies as his best. And then his, his worst were frozen Two, Lion King and Aladdin. And that just was just a really funny list to me. I don't know why it was just one of those things. I just wasn't expecting anybody to throw mm-hmm. anything in at me like that i mean you know it's just it's it's it and, and like you guys said it's it's really kind of crazy with what what people have brought up i i really do appreciate that some people out there you know were real about shit and they listed midsummer where it needed to be and it's worst because that's what it is and i there was somebody out there that also apparently has super awesome drugs because apparently midsummer was one of their best yeah i saw that and so once again, I want to know what kind of drugs, I want to know what kind of drugs that guy's doing because he also is apparently doing some really awesome shit. If you can make it past the first five minutes of that movie and not just be numbed beyond belief enough to actually sit through all of it and enjoy it when <laughs> it was all said and done. This was, this was a roller coaster. I did not expect this episode to be as much of a roller coaster <laughs> as it was. I mean, I cursed at one of the people who I love with Martin Scorsese. Like, I love old Martin Scorsese films. Like, if this was, you know, last decade between 2000 and 2009 when I was truly in Martin Scorsese heaven, you know, I'd watch all his old films and I loved the new shit he had coming out. And, I mean, if he had said this shit then, I probably would have been all over it. But, wow, it's really kind of crazy how much, like, time will change. Like, how you view some of this shit. Yeah. Because here we are in 2020 and I said fuck Martin (laughs) Scorsese. (laughs) Anything else, guys, for you for the... The rounding out of this year, because I do have one thing I want to broach you guys, but I want to—I'll wait till after this. Nope. Uh, no, um, n- nothing really to add to any of that stuff. Though it was weird how you just suddenly got all emotional about Martin Scorsese when I was just kind of having fun with it, and you went all <laughs> serious, and I was like, uh, "Damn, I guess I struck a nerve there." But yeah, uh, but, but just to round out all the movies and stuff like that. Well, we 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 never talked about what he said. I got you. I got you. Um, but but yeah, and, and I just wanted to say a few things about just uh, Joker and stuff like that. And I did appreciate like the people who uh, put something on the list and stuff like that and had different movies. There was one movie mentioned Blinded by the Light, which I've never seen. And I was like, huh, I didn't even know about this movie or what it was. So now I'm curious to see that. So there were some movies in there mentioned that I hadn't even heard of. And that's always interesting. And I always like to go and watch those movies and things like that. Uh, But just to comment on the Joker and just stuff like that, um, it it, it all kind of, to me, speaks to this uh, Martin Scorsese stuff, as well as just um, just the 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 pulse of what people are watching and what movies people are watching in general. And, and I think that that's indicative of that. Like when you look at the list and everything like that, a lot of what you're seeing is comic book stuff, action adventure stuff, you know, just kind of the 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 the, the stuff that kind of fits in that 
one central genre and you can just tell that that's what people are watching and that's what people seem to be enjoying and they're put listing those as their best movies but i do think that it does lend you that that is why you can say that you know it, it also would be cool if we would have saw more of some of those other movies too the quote-unquote real cinema the stuff that deals with dramatic stuff and more of the real stuff and stuff like that i just wish that you know uh, some of those movies had rounded out more people's lists too and that's why i do think that people should check out that 10 list just because i think it would be fun you broaden your horizons a little bit and you you, you would uh see some movies that are definitely um really the opposite as far as storytelling and stuff like that than from stuff like an Endgame or a John Wick or something like that. So, you know, for all those people that... In- hey, hey, hey. Oh, I... Oh. You watch your mouth when you say the words John Wick. <laughs> oh like- you watch your damn mouth. <laughs> Okay, I'm done talking about Wick. But so for all those people that enjoy Joker and all of those kinds of movies like that, I want to challenge you to broaden your horizons a little bit. Get get on that peanut butter falcon. Check out Marriage Story. Watch the uh, watch the Irishman. Just take a little intermission, man. Watch the first hour and a half, then watch the last two hours of it. Take a little intermission if you need to. It's a long movie, but it was great. Uh watch stuff like Parasite when it comes out. You know, watch some of these other movies that definitely have something to say and and have uh some and can and will invoke some really philosophical conversations and kind of just make you think in different ways about the world at large. So, I just think that was a necessary point to make, you know. Uh, you know, broaden your horizons a little bit. I challenge you to do that this year. It's 2020. Everybody's making resolutions. Broaden your horizons. And I think if you watch some of those films, you won't be sorry that you did. All right. On that note, since we are in 2020 now and we are going into pretty much the entire rest of the year, I want to ask you guys, and I wanted to surprise you guys with this a little bit. I want each of you to name a movie you are excited about for 2020 and one you are not excited about for 2020 yeah so uh i'll start with you justin since you just did your little soliloquy about movies and stuff what what's a movie you're excited for and what's one you're not excited for for 2020 um well i guess um man i did not prepare for that all right. question all but, right fine um, fine fine just looking you at guys, look at your list but a little no, bit I'll go. all right but but i but i got so i got a few things i'm kind of looking here at just some some of the stuff coming out for the year and so here was what we'll go. First, I'll go with one I'm not looking forward to. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Man, dude. Like, this movie is crazy, though, because, like, it's it's already kind of just um, b- bubbling up a bunch of different emotions in me. Because, for one thing, Jim Carrey is in it. And that's an actor that I do like. You know, Jim Carrey is not, you know, is an actor that I like. And I think he's funny, and I like him in a a lot of the films that he does and yeah he's not the actor that he used to be but you know he's somebody that um that 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 i enjoy you 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 know jim carrey catches me at the right time um i'll definitely check out his film but the weird thing about this movie is that when it first came out there were all these people kind of um 
talking about how terrible Sonic looked. And and I and I was on that bandwagon. Like Sonic looked kind of bad and he looked almost like a guy dressed in a Sonic costume. It just looked awful. And one thing I will say about this film is that there was such an internet backlash that the company that made this went back to the drawing board and redesigned Sonic uh, so that he would look better and look more like his video game counterpart. And now people are going, hey, that looks a hundred times better. I'm going to go see this movie now. And to me, that's unprecedented. Like I'm trying to think of the the last movie. I can't think of another movie and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of another movie that did something like this where the previews came out and then they went back to the drawing board and said, we're just going to redesign something or we're just going to change. Now, of course, that's a little easier to do with computer graphics. I mean, nobody could go back and Captain Marvel and say, OK, Brie Larson, we're firing you and we're getting rid of all the footage and hiring somebody else. I mean, of course, you can't do it all the time. But uh, but to me, that's unprecedented for them to go to hear the Internet and say, OK, look, we're going to make a change to the character. The only thing is, is that so now I'm going to see the movie because I feel like the studio made an effort, but I just do not expect this to be any good at all. Like when I see the previews, I'm just kind of like, oh, man, what the hell is this going to be? And sometimes it's doing video game stuff and making noises from the game. And one time he got hit by something and lost rings. And but but at the same time, he's talking to real people and stuff. And I'm like, what is this movie supposed to be? So it's weird. Like now I, I want to help this movie because the people actually went and made a change to it. And I think that's actually kind of cool. It's a story that now kind of follows this film. But uh, man, I just don't expect uh, th this movie uh, to, to be that great. So that would probably be the one that um, I'm looking least to. Um, well, and, and well one, real quick, I have a, I have a conspiracy oh, theory about oh. Sonic. No, I, I have okay. a conspiracy theory about Sonic. I don't think that that original character design was the actual character design they were planned on using. I'm not typically on oh. conspiracy theory bullshit, but with this one, I am. I totally feel with how quickly they were able to redesign everything and to get a new trailer out and stuff like that. I feel like they actually did that character design just for a trailer and a poster just to get people to talk about it because <clears throat> they knew they would get backlash. And so then what did they do? Then all of a sudden, you know, a few months later, all of a sudden, bam, they've got a new Sonic out and it's everybody's like, oh yeah. All right. Now it's good now. Okay. I'll watch it now. I think it was all a fucking marketing ploy just to get buzz for this movie hey. that oh. nobody gives a fuck about. Well, you could be right about that. I mean, that is not beyond the realm of possibility. So maybe it is. And maybe they were like, oh, shit. And, you know, they, they hadn't. That was the real plan. And when it got out, it was so bad. They were like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because eventually we'll have what we were actually working towards out. And they'll probably feel a little bit better about it. Hey, I wouldn't put that 
past the realm of uh, possibility. So that's very much a possibility. But yeah, that, that's just one of those movies where even though I don't expect from it, it's got an interesting storyline going in now. This has now caused an interesting storyline. So who knows uh, what will happen when, when I go see that movie. But honestly, I just don't expect much from it. But in contrast to that, and I'll talk about this one really quickly and let you guys go. Uh, um, one movie that I am excited for, just based on what I saw on the previews, Disney is coming out with a version of Mulan. And man, I am rooting so hard for this movie to, to be good. Like when I saw the previews, it reminded me of that same kind of style of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and uh, uh, House of Flying Daggers and stuff like that. And these are like martial arts movies that involve a lot of wire strings and, and, and breathtaking stunts and just that kind of colorful cinematography. And I saw all all of those examples of that in this film. It seems like this film is going to be a little more serious. There's not going to be like this kind of pseudo racist dragon that's in the movie and uh, with Eddie Murphy talking slang and all this stuff in the movie. It seems like they're mixing some of that. And this is going to have a much more serious, more emotional tone. And I think that this is going to be a remake where I'm hoping anyway, because it could be a disaster. Don't get me wrong. But I am hoping that this is that remake where we look at it and say, this is how you do this. This is how you remake a film, a, a, a Disney film, and make it uh, poignant and make it relevant and make it something better than what we got and something that feels more fresh than what we got from its animated counterpart. So I think this has the potential to be special and it looks like it has a Japanese cast, which is another plus. So, uh, hey, um, I'm, I'm all for this movie and I'm hoping that it does well. And by Japanese, Justin, of course, actually means Chinese. Oh, shit, my bad. My bad on that. I meant to say Chinese, my bad. I just wanted to make sure everybody knows. We know. It's Chinese. Heather, what about you? Okay. Um, This one is hard, though, because there are a couple in uh 2020 that I am looking forward to. But to say my one that I'm not really looking forward to, it's going to be that movie, Like a Boss, that is Tiffany Haddish, Rose Byrne, and Selma Hayek. Um, I don't know if it's just because I've seen the, the preview for it too many times, or I don't know what it is, but... Everything about it makes me think it's just not going to be funny at all. Like, it looks like it's a lot of the same that you've seen in other things before. And Rose Byrne can be really funny. Tiffany Haddish has her moments where she can be funny. But I feel like lately, everything I've seen her in, she, it's just more of the same. She does the same jokes, the same thing, whatever. And I'm a little bit over it, uh, kind of, at this point. <laughs> and so that movie, to me, it just does not look like it's going to be as funny as they're trying to make it seem like it will be. Um, I know it's probably going to be like the one that, oh, take your girls, go see this movie and all that stuff. But it just I'm not looking forward to it. Like, I don't really have a huge desire to see it. So that's the one I'm not really looking forward to. Um, I would say it's really hard. Uh, sorry to break the rules a little bit. I have like a three way tie for looking forward to just to go over them really quick. <laughs> one of them is going to be um, A Quiet Place 2 just because I'm so curious what they're going to do with that, like how they're going to um, like carry on that story, what they're going to do with that story, and if they're going to be able to make it 
original and not too much of the same from what the first movie was. Uh, from the previews, it looks like it's going to be a little bit different, and I'm excited for it. So, um, yeah, I want to see that. And then the other one that I'm super looking forward to is Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think it looks good. Paul Rudd, you've got me in. Um, it's got Finn Wolfhard. It's just got a lot of good people in it, and the story of it actually looks very intriguing. So I'm going to go with that one. Um, when it comes to like a boss, I just want to say this. I, I am kind of intrigued to see it just cause I really like Billy Porter. So I want to see Billy Porter in things. And <laughs> I do, I do like him. Yes. He's the only funny thing about the trailer, if I'm being honest. So yeah, I'm, that's the only reason why I might see it is solely for Billy Porter. Cause I just think he's utterly fantastic. Um, as far as movies, I'm not looking forward to this year. I was almost tempted to say bad boys for life, but I won't. Because there's actually another movie coming out that weekend that I think will be worse. And that is Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. and 9 billion other fucking people. Oh, uh, you're right, actually. I, I kind of get that. Yep. It's just one of those movies where I'm like, who the fuck wants to watch another Dr. Doolittle movie? Like, why is that a property that people think anybody wants to see? Even with um Robert Downey Jr. and who else is in it? You've got your... Tom Holland's, your Ralph Fiennes, your Emma Thompson's, Rami Malek, Selena Gomez, Marion, what's her name, Cotillard, and Michael Sheen, and John Cena even. You've got all these people in this movie. I care just nothing about it and don't understand why it's even a possibility of existing, let alone comes out in like one and a half weeks. It's just mind-blowing. And honestly, my I'm going to break the rules a little bit too. And I, I thought I was going to be the only one breaking the rules, but Heather beat me to it. Um, one movie I'm sneaky looking forward to is Fantasy Island with Michael Pena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and it's got what Michael Pena and uh, Lucy Hale and Maggie Q and uh, Michael Rooker in it. It's just the idea of doing like I know that a while back we had that phase of everybody was remaking classic TV shows as movies and they all pretty much sucked balls. But the idea of taking Fantasy Island and making it like a thriller horror movie is just utterly fascinating to me. And I'm just, I don't even say low-key. I'm just like high-key excited about the idea of that and really want to see what they do with it. I'm just weirdly stoked about that movie. And then the other one that comes out in 2020 that nobody should be surprised is on my list is the new fucking Candyman movie. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Nice. I've never forgotten about that. I am super stoked about that movie. Just everything about it is just one of those things that just like screams, oh, Sterling's going to just absolutely love this. I mean, it's produced by Jordan Peele and it's got, I know Tony Todd is in it, um, but then it's, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name and I feel so fucking bad. I do. I truly do. But Yahaya Abdul-Mateen II and I'm so sorry that I'm butchering your name. Um, but he played he played the Manta in Aquaman, which that was fine. But he also played uh, Cal in the Watchmen series, which me and Justin will have an episode about that. And he is utterly fantastic. And just watching the Watchmen actually made me more stoked about this movie. I I would I thought I was already at peak stokedness for a Candyman movie, but then finding out he's in that movie. At first, it was just based off uh, uh, Aquaman. And I, I actually wasn't, uh, like, that didn't bother me. I, for what his character was in Aquaman, I thought he was fine. I'm like, okay, I can see that. All right, all right. 
he's up and coming. I can see that. And then I watched The Watchmen, and he's in it as Cal. And now my stokeness, which was already like 172%, is like at 497 now. <laughs> I just, I am beyond amped and just utterly 100% ready for this movie. Especially if you do listen to our live at the Southside Podfest episode. And uh, for a little bit, I talk about the gentrification of uh, Caperny Green and stuff like that. And that's what this movie's about, is... It's going to be Candyman fucking up gentrified Caperny Green. And that makes me even more stoked than that. And now I'm at 647% stoked. Anything else, guys? No, that's it. I'm good. All right, guys. I'm not going to do our typical outro on this just because this was a fun little bonus episode for you guys about us talking about this stuff. So um, just thank you guys for listening. Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know how much you hate me because of how much I shit on the Joker. I'm I'm ready for it. Um. Because let's be real, it sucked so hard. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the most important thing of every episode is, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. I feel so bad for your neighbors.